0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Get ready. You're tuned in to Tea Time Unfiltered with your
1: girl, Lovely T. Bringing you the hottest trending topics on social media. Stay connected. Instagram.com slash lovelytea2002. Hey, you guys. Welcome to another episode of Tea Time Unfiltered with your girl, Lovely Tea. Hey, T-Sippers. I have a special guest with me today in the house. Her name is B.L. Sherelle. B.L., go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. Hey, T-Sippers. This is B.L. What's popping? What are you, by? All right. So B.L. is one of um, my Discord members and she's a subscriber and she has always like came into our Zoom meetings and just always made a lot of really good points and, you know, just captivated us with her stories and, you know, just the things that she's been through in Philly. So I asked her to come onto the podcast so that we could just, you know, have an a hour-long chat about these things that are really going on that are affecting real people. And one of the things that I have noticed in not only Philly, but here in the Twin Cities and around the country is the uptick in violence. And I remember um, a few months ago, there was another woman who called in and was talking about all the violence that was just going on in Philly and how crazy it was getting. And a lot of people are saying that um, this is being tied to, you know, COVID-19, there being more guns on the street because of, because remember when COVID first hit, everybody ran to go get guns. Mm -hmm. So that's causing more guns on the street, which is escalating the violence. So I wanted to go ahead here and just kind of play this video. It's a news clip, and they're talking about the violence and the uptick of everything going on in Philly and how it is affecting a lot of people and a lot of communities. So let's go ahead and check this out, and we're going to come back and talk
0: about everything. Father shot and killed in front of his kids as they were leaving a dog park. Yesterday's string of shootings is just the latest example of a deadly trend. According to the police department, the number of homicide victims is up 34%. From this time last year, NBC 10 investigative reporter Mitch Blocker is live at police headquarters as officers prepare for the potential of yet another violent weekend. Jackie, the latest violence, that surge in violence from yesterday, now has the number of homicides in the city of Philadelphia to 289. We still have 133 days left in this year until New Year's Day 2021. Evidence of murder investigations are scattered around Philadelphia. Friday, fresh tape hung in front of Tiffany Eddy's house in West Philly. Thursday, her son came home to a body in the street. He
2: came in, he said, Mom, there's somebody laying in the street. So that's what I hugged him
1: and said, That's why I need you to be in here before it gets dark.
0: Police say 29 year old Will Mayott was shot and killed, leaving a dog park with his young kids around 8 p.m.
1: That's traumatizing for them kids because I was told that when it did happen they ran off.
2: I don't know where they ran off to, if they were with someone else, but that's scary.
0: Three hours later, police arrived at this North Philly gas station. Two men were shot here in the parking lot, and both died. It's just
2: no words to explain how messed up that is. People are heartless.
0: Police tell us eight people were shot in 26 hours between midnight Thursday and 2 a.m. Friday. Longtime Philadelphians like Robert Benjamin say they've never seen such random violence in their hometown. I was born in the '60s. Even the gangs back then, there was a rule that kids are, are, are off bounds. Like these, they don't care. Who's outside? Why they doing what they're doing, and it don't make any sense. Now researchers are beginning to connect the increase in shootings with the increase in gun sales, all related to the pandemic. A study published just two days ago in the American Journal of Medicine found that one out of every one hundred Americans will eventually be killed by a gun if the current death rate. Keeps going the way that it is. It's the latest from Philly Police Headquarters. I'm Mitch Blocker, NBC 10 News.
1: All right. So you just heard that. So that is really scary. Just all of the things that's been going on. Like I said, not just in Philly but around the nation. But I know Philly had gotten real bad because Meek Mill has been out talking about the violence. On top of that, we had the you guys had a lot of riding due to that um, police shooting with the man that came at them with a the knife. Uh, Walter Wallace. Yeah, Walter Wireless. So, uh-huh. so, a lot of things happen. So, do you want to just kind of give us a backstory on what, what you feel is causing the violence to rise so much, particularly in your city this year? Right. So,
2: I think by the time this airs, I want to say we have 498 murders for the year mm-hmm. right now. So, probably we'll probably hit 500 before the podcast comes out. And that is second in the nation behind Chicago. Yeah. Um, And so there was a, there's a couple things. So one is definitely the pandemic when that PUA money hit, everybody and their mom went to go purchase, you know, a firearm if they didn't have one. And um, a lot of the people who didn't have them at the time was too broke to get them. And um, now that they have them, basically they are very reckless. And the biggest difference between, you know, prior and now is a lot of women and a lot of children are getting murdered. Like I personally know two women this year. One was 9 months pregnant who got killed, um shot li- deliberately, like not not accidental nothing. Mm-hmm. I know two women who were shot in the head and killed um this year. And you know, so the rules are like a lot different. So I place the well there are no rules. Um so I place the pandemic um number 2. Number 1 is that there's a power struggle within my city in regards to the DA and the police um, force. So my DA, his name is Larry Krasner. He's very progressive. Mm -hmm. He wants to, um, you know, he doesn't believe in the old way. Back in the day, you lock people up and you charge them with every charge that could possibly You could. And then whatever sticks is, you know, whatever sticks to the wall, that's what you could kind of might get convicted for. And then the rest of the charges go by the wayside. So that was how they was very effective in giving people a lot of time. So he's a very progressive um, D.A., which is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. However, um, some of his practices is causing, you know, an uptick in violence because he's not taking the money that would have cost to house them and put them in resources to help them. He's just kind of letting them out. So, you know, people who may have like a kid got a kid shot someone in the head and instead of them charging this kid with attempted murder, they they charge it with aggravated assault because the kid, the the person, you know, didn't die and stuff like that. And then it's easier for the person to get back out on the street. And, you know, a lot of these um, people who are committing these crimes are already having, you know, previous violent histories and the police. And the police commissioner, um, a black woman named Danielle Outlaw, she's new. She just came from Portland, Oregon this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they have an issue with
1: how the DA is um, calling the shots in regards to this. So they let me disagree. ask you this. Let me mm-hmm. ask you that, speaking on the DA. Do you feel like the pressure for him to be more lenient is because so many times it's people who do not live in the city who got the most to say? Because remember when Meek was going through his whole thing and I know Jay-Z was pushing for like, you know, reform and saying this man's been on probation for so many years. This is not right. Just like here in the Twin Cities, we had a lot of people who are not from our city who don't have to live here talking about defunding the police, but they're not bringing any solutions. So right, our crime really ran up here. So do you feel like some of that pressure is they don't want to look racist. They don't want to look like they're trying to just lock away black men and throw away the key. So now instead of charging somebody who shot somebody in the head with, you know, with murder first, first or second degree. Now it's aggravated assault. So don't look that bad. So do you feel like they're caving into that pressure?
2: I I, I think that, you know, Larry Krasner is, you know, listening to people like Like me, right? Because, you know, I work kind of in the social justice, criminal justice sector. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's not, once again, he's not putting the resources. Yeah, you can let people out. Or, or, yeah, you know, you can... You know, not charge a person with every possible charge, but you have to have some type of um, resources for them on the other side. You just can't let them out and just release them to the world. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that his, his, you know, his progressive practices, um, some of them are to be appreciated and applauded. But we're not going to sit here and act like some of his progressive agendas is not hurting the city and it's causing a resentment from the police. And that is what the police are kind of stepping back. Like, okay, this is what you got. Almost like when Freddie Gray, what happened in Baltimore. If you remember when Mm -hmm. Freddie Gray got killed, the the police just kind of stopped doing their jobs and the murder rate spiked in Maryland. It's almost like the same thing. Um, A police officer got killed in Philly um, not that long ago. And when the police officer got killed, Larry Krasner tried to go to the hospital to go, you know, visit or whatever, pay his respects or whatever, say something to the family. And when he got to the hospital, all the whole police force turned their back on him. Did like on camera in front of the whole all the news in front of the mm-hmm. whole city, and it was uh, uh you know they wanted like everyone to know like we do not we do not feel him like you know like we do not um like like him at all. So at this point, the police are like not really doing their job mm-hmm. at the same time. So now it's kind of wild, wild west because they have resentment towards you know the DA for how he's handling things. And know? I
1: think that's kind of what happened in my city too—is that resentment. Um, and I could say probably with police officers all over, because I mean, I hear from people who have family in the NYPD and they kind of had the same stance too. all this, you know, fuck the police, fuck the police. OK, cool. Well, now we're about to fall back and y'all figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I telling people that I, I was here, you know, I live in the city where everything kicked off with George Floyd. You know, what I'm saying over in South Minneapolis, so i watched everything play out and you can't take the instances of a few officers. And paint an entire police department or give them that whole, you know, give them your ass to kiss. Because when shit happens, who's the first people that y'all call? Mm -hmm. 911, the police. So when you're saying things like F the police and, you know, defund them and things like that. And I'm not saying we don't have the right to be upset. Don't get me wrong. But like you said, you can't just have, um, it has to be balanced. So we can't just say, okay, well, fine, we're going to do criminal reform and we're just not going to give these people a bunch of time. But then there's no resources. There's no counseling. There's no jobs. There's no you know, there's nothing else. And that was my issue. That was my issue with the whole defund. Y'all are screaming defund. It sounds good in a hashtag. But what is going to replace that? How are we going to, you know, get these resources out to the people when they do need help? Where is the training going to come in? Nobody really has any answers. They just want to scream. So, right. I think A lot of the police officers are frustrated because they feel like they're being, you know, put in the same category as the bad police officers. And they're being treated because of that. So now they've kind of have an attitude like, oh, well. Right. <laughs>
2: you know? and, and you know, T, like, mm-hmm. you know, I got shot by the cops. Wow. So you know, <laughs> you know, I don't fool with the cops at all. Right. <laughs> um, however, um, and I also think that if you do that, if you decide, all right, well, I'm going to just turn my back because I don't like the way you guys are. You're still not doing your job to preserve and honor and protect the, the citizens of that wherever you work, wherever you are. So you're still indeed falling into the bad batch, even with that action. Um, however, it's almost like, you know, everything is so. Pick a side these days, right? Yeah. That you can't like the in in the field in the field that I work in. You know, I work in the prisons, right? So people ask me all the time, "Do you want to um, abolish prisons?" And everyone that I know, literally, like my wife, all my friends, everyone, I my whole life is people that were in prison. That's just how it went for me. That's my story none of us want to abolish prisons. <laughs> we all think that prisons should be a thing. We don't think that everyone should go. We think that some people may belong in mental institutions, some people may belong here, or rehab, whatever, but we don't believe that there shouldn't be prisons. And that made me question, well, if we don't believe that, the people who actually spent time in prison, who are who is the people that's suggesting that prisons should be abolished if it's not the people who were actually in prison? So some of these agendas you know, a lot of liberals, um, I'll just say, because I work with a lot of them most times, mm-hmm. I give, I have to give the side out to what their agenda or what their, you know, thing is. Like,
1: or, you know, because I'm not against... Some of them are agents of chaos, sis. Yes. but what it boils down to. Because how can I've never been to prison. I've never even done a day in jail. You know what I'm saying? I know friends who have been... I don't think I'm built for that, right? So that's why I just keep my ass out of trouble.
2: <laughs> you, <laughs> I, you will be fine, though, too. You will be I, fine. I, <laughs> but
1: one thing is, if I've never even been, who am I to say that all prisons, you know, should be abolished? Right. you've been, and you see that, no, some of these people need to be in here and get yeah. for a few years, and then come out and do better, you yeah. know, because... Even as, as horrible as it was for you, you know, when you end up going to prison and everything that happened, we can get into your backstory. I think even you going and doing that time, it made you a better person. It made you appreciate things and appreciate life and and really take your your story and what you went through to become the person that you are today. I remember when you first emailed me and one of the things that you said, you said that you felt bad because you felt like, you know, why are you here and Breonna Taylor isn't? Yeah, like I go through. Yeah, and I said, that's not for you to worry about Mm -hmm. because your plan and your destiny is what God has for you. And Mm -hmm. her plan and her destiny, what God have for her is what God have for her. And your story is not over. Mm -hmm. So growing up as a kid, one of my favorite pastimes was eating a nice bowl of cereal. But as I've gotten older, I realized that a lot of cereal is filled with nothing but sugar and junk. Okay, so now there's a new company out there that is making super healthy cereal. The company is called Magic Spoons and in their cereal, they have zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs per serving. They also come in four incredible flavors, one being cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. And honestly, they're amazing. They sent me all four, and out of all four cereals, I have to say that my favorite is the fruity, okay? So if you're interested, definitely get that one. So if you are interested in trying out this cereal, make sure you go on to magicspoons.com forward slash Cotkey. and you also want to use the same name kotke in order to get your free shipping and that is going to be spelled k-o-t-t-k-e make sure you use that so that way you can get your discount so once again i want to thank magic spoons for sponsoring this episode of tea time unfiltered with your girl lovely tea Understand that, mm-hmm. like in the grand scheme,
2: but there is a, a a trauma that comes with getting you know shot by the police and mm-hmm. the after effects and you know all that. It's it's a, it's a certain level of trauma. So every time that happens mm-hmm. and it's for something so minute, and I think wow, you know, like I actually shot back. I actually shot that man. Like it's it's just it's just it it just. It's a feeling that I can't help. Of course, I get over it. Of course, it's fleeting. Of course, I get backgrounded. Like, I'm, I'm here for a reason. I'm living in my purpose and all mm-hmm. that. But it's just that in that moment, when I think about it, when I see something that's so senseless, and then I just be like, wow, like, what is the plan? Like, I have to be here for something. Cause I mean, they could have just ended me right there and it would have been no talk about it. Yeah. This person shot a cop and this person got killed. And that's, that would have been that mm-hmm. no hashtag, no nothing. They'd have been like, Oh, all right. You know, keep it moving. Um, So when I see like this stuff happening, it just always, you know, but it makes me feel grateful and blessed of course, you know, and, and more dedicated to living in my purpose. And, and, that.
1: and do you want to tell the backstory of what happened? Do you feel comfortable talking about what happened with you and the police?
2: Girl, Yeah, yeah, yeah! I'm gonna talk about it. It was just so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) It was just literally so stupid, and I'm gonna tell you guys real quick. Most people who end up in prison for long times, it starts from something so. Small and stupid, that's usually it's something so stupid so um basically, make a long story short um i had a uh, i was a I was a drug dealer and I had a a smoker who I kind of worked with he kind of sold my packs and stuff like that, and I gave him a gun because he used to walk the strip and like you know I wanted him to make sure he was cool, you know and he sold my gun, and I found out the person we sold it to gave it back to me and um He started going on a robbing spree to try and get the gun back. But I had the gun back the whole time. So he started robbing all these people, old ladies, old men. He started following people from the bank, following people from the ATM, just doing all this behind my back. I had no knowledge that he was doing this stuff. And he took somebody's cell phone. And when he he robbed the person for the cell phone, and this was back in the day, I mean, this was no kids, okay? This was not iPhones. <laughs> this was none of that. This was in 2005, and I was I was 17. And he stole somebody's phone. The person called, well, not the person. The cops called, and he told them that they can come buy their phone back. He said, "Hey, I found this phone at X Y Z place. You can come buy it back from me for twenty dollars." That's what the whole thing was about. Mm -hmm. So instead of the actual person coming, the cops came. So when the cops came, but they was undercover. So when the cops came, um, they was like, oh, yeah, uh," he was a young boy, about 25, maybe he's in jail, by the way, now, Um, about 25, um, you know, black, whatever. You know, it's like three in the morning. Um, I hear them outside arguing. So. The cop boy, like, I only got $8, and he kind of slurring in his speech. and But it sounds like a fake slur to me. So he's like, I only got $8. I need my phone and my info and that phone. I need my phone. And the phone. And, and the fiend boy, like, you said you was going to have $20. It's that third, right? So I come out like, hey. I understand you guys are having a dispute, but this is a business because this was my crack house, you know? So I'm like, this is a business. <laughs> <laughs> my neighbors already hated me. Okay. From, right. you know, so I didn't want to ever, you know, cause any added drama. I'm like, Yo, y'all got to take that down the street or take it somewhere else. So the boy just keep doing this whole song and dance behind these phones. And I was watching him and like his mannerisms was off his, you know, um, like I said, the slur speech seemed fake to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on high alert, and I just was on the wrong alert. So I thought that the the, the fiend boy was, like, trying to set me up to get me robbed. I didn't think that the guy was a cop. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I feel funny about this. I'm like, soon as this bull go to try to rob me, I'm on his ass. Like, I'm going to kill this, like, you know. So I stood there, and I watched him do these little semantics and all that, and then he went in the middle of his conversation, I just need my phone. And before he even finished, he went to go pull out for a gun. And before he could pull his out, I pulled mine out. And we was just shooting back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then somebody across the street started shooting. And now in my head, I'm like, oh, my God. They was trying to, like, I knew it. You know, like, it, like I knew that this guy was trying to, like, set me up, you know. So I'm shooting back. I'm shooting the wall across the street. I mean, it's like a whole movie for probably about 10 or 15 seconds. But I'm on a porch. So I could I couldn't run anywhere but inside the house. So I ran inside the house and when I ran inside the house I get to about the living room, going into the dining room, they shoot I get shot in the leg. I keep running. I get towards the I get like in the kitchen, they shoot me like in my like towards almost right on your shoulder but like at the top like where your neck is, right? Okay. like right there. So when they hit me right there and I was all the way in the kitchen, I'm like, "Wait a minute." And they and they were still shooting. And the bullets was just raining in, raining in. I'm like, oh my God. something ain't right. You know, like, cause this is, this is, shootouts are usually a couple seconds, you know? Right. So <laughs> it was still going on. <laughs> so I ducked down on the floor. It was still shots going in. They shot over a hundred shots into the house.
1: Mm, so ain't that I'm that on the ground. They sense.
2: shot everybody in the house too. Mm-hmm. Not just me. So people in there screaming. I'm on the
1: ground by right now. And I'm waiting for the cops, my damn self. Like, well, goddamn, when is the cops going to come? <laughs> cause you thought the whole time it was drug dealers and dope fiends yeah. shooting against you okay
2: yeah so I was sitting there this, I'm laying on the ground like yo like so when when the cops finally came and it was all the lights and stuff out I poked my arms out like woo like you know what I'm saying Like, like they're I, here I, to help somebody, <laughs> yeah I'm like somebody was trying to kill me I don't know who the fuck that was yeah.
1: and then and like, so we got I'm, it all on camera <laughs>
2: so I put my arms out I'm like oh my god thank god the cops are here you know and they dragged me outside and when they dragged me outside they handcuffed me and when they was shooting into the house so all the windows was shot out so it was all this glass on the porch and this is like the most memorable part um that's when they I was already handcuffed and they just started kicking me, beating me, spitting on me, beating mm. me with the bat. Mind you, mm. well, I'm already shot. You know what I mean? So, and I couldn't block my head. I couldn't block anything. So, I was just catching the face shots, catching them, everything and the glass was on the ground. So, my whole body was like getting pierced by the glass, like with every kick, with every hit, with the nightstick. And in my head, I'm like, why are they doing this? Like, why are they fucking me? Like, it was just a shootout. You know, like, why are they literally fucking me up like this? I'm sorry for cursing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. You're fine. So I'm like, oh, they fucking me up. Like, what is going on? So by the time all my neighbors started coming out and screaming, that's a girl, that's a girl and all that, mind you, that was a whole nother story because I had the strap on on and all that. But anyway, so they was like, oh, that's a girl, that's a girl. So you started feeling them kind of easing up, mm-hmm. getting confused, you know, like, why is they saying that this person is a girl? And. I started saying it too, like, because they, I felt them, I felt it working. So I'm like, yo, I'm a girl, I'm a girl. Like, you know, like maybe they thought they had the wrong person or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they eased up off me, they put me on a stretcher. And when they put me on a stretcher, I saw one of the boys that I was shooting at, and he was crying with a badge around his neck and hold, like hugging other cops. And I was like,
1: oh, damn. Wow.
2: Yeah, I was like, oh, it's over. Like, girl, I'm done. That sounded like some like, shit from it.
1: The Wire. Damn.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, "Oh, like my life is over." Like that was literally my thought. Like my life is done. Like I'm never getting out of this situation.
1: But what did Um, I tell you? Look what you went through. Not only got shot twice, beat up by the police. You know the circumstances, and you're still here today. That was all for a reason and a purpose.
2: It was. Mm -hmm. It was, and I I couldn't foresee it at the time. Oh yeah, I was in a very, very, very dark space. Um, It's funny when stuff happened like that. You know, like when I got to prison, well, jail, because you first go to jail first. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a long... I mean, they did me at the dirtiest you could. It took me like 14 days to get from the like the jail, like the, the holding cell, mm-hmm. to the, like the district, to the actual jail. So like it was 14 days with no food, no shower, no nothing. They had like stripped my clothes, took all my clothes off me, said it was for evidence and, you know, the cold themselves be freezing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I was shot and beat up and everything with no clothes, no nothing. Um... But by the time I actually got there, you know, the girls was like telling me, like, you're gonna be going for a long time. So you need to learn how to do this and you need to learn how to do that. Like, they was prepping me for the long haul, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, it gets so deep that you can't feel it. It's so serious that you can't take it in, probably at such a young young age, also. Like, you can't wrap your mind around doing like, you know, 40 years, 80 years. Like, it's just like, it's just, you can't imagine it. So you just kind of go day to day and just like, oh. I mean, whatever But um, I happen to have a pretty good judge Who I I still vote for to this day Mm -hmm. Um, He gave me a 6 to 12 And he told me that he felt like I was caught Between a rock and a hard place He actually gave the fiend bull 10 to 20, he gave him more time than he gave me And he was like, I feel like you was caught Between a rock and a hard place And um, he was like, back in my day, you know We just used to uh, fight it out I wish maybe you would have tried to swing on him or something But at the end of the day I believe you because I wound up getting on the stand and telling them exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, the jewelry and everything like that, like, you know, my side. And um, the, the, the DA was recommending 40 years, you know, and he was like, nah, six, six to 12. I had already had two years in. So I really only had four more years to do mm-hmm. before I was able to be released, you know? So and see, this blessing. this
1: is the real deal. This is what we do here on unfiltered. We talk about the real, because this is the stuff that they don't talk about in the rap music. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always the the glamorized stuff of the shootout. But like you said, once the shootout is over, you're bleeding, you're upset. The the cop who got shot, he's crying, you know, like the real human emotions. And then even having to go to court sitting in jail for two years, Mm -hmm. even before you get your trial date. Mm -hmm. You know, and just the anxiety of that, you don't know if you're going to get six years or 40 years because it could have been any of that. And that's the stuff that they don't show, you know, and these are like the real life consequences. These are the real life things that happen to people, you know, when they get caught up in situations. So that was definitely a blessing that that judge not only looked at your age, but said, you know what, I see something in you, because if you were a lost cause, he would have, he could have easily gave you 20 years. Easily. You know, I'm sure they see lost causes every day, like keep him locked up for the next 30, mm-hmm. you know, but th- he saw and, something in you. So that's a blessing.
2: And could you believe that I actually got out in six and I actually went back again? <laughs> like that's the that's the you know, that's the crazy part. I went back again. because I did 10 years. So mm-hmm. I wasn't done after that. But I got this um lyric that um, says, uh Thugs talking about commas, but can't even put them in running no sentences. Judge giving out commas, your honor need... Um, Judge giving out time, your honor need commas to put in the sentences. Lifetime 2 plus 30 die twice, you can reincarnate and be in this bitch. So I don't glorify without exploring the other side to how real shit can get. It's worth it till you take the consequence. Your purpose more than do the opposite. And that's like where rap I feel like gets it wrong now there's no like introspection like you know like they don't talk about like you can't talk about the shootout without talking about the aftermath like, you, 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 or you shouldn't rather or you shouldn't talk about the killing without talking about the dreams that you have at night
0: yep. or you
2: know what I mean that like is. you shouldn't talk about you know certain things without that's when you know it's real like you can always tell when a rapper is kind of you know when it's real because the way it comes out is not always a glorifying situation Mm-hmm. um sometimes you know they it get deep and you it's hard to talk about one side without you know talking about the other side I think a lot of the mainstream rap is lacking that right now
1: right but yeah it's it's a lot going on you know and and you just kind of broke it down perfectly like this is a lot of systemic stuff a lot of generational things that are going on in Philly and unfortunately a lot of the shootings and the killings are still continuing you know, and that newscast from was from early in the summer. So, like you said, we'll probably be at 500 by the time this podcast comes out. And it's really sad because it's been a lot of that just throughout 2020. You know, just a lot of people being unsure, not knowing what's going to happen next. And, and I think because of the COVID, I don't want to use that as an excuse, but when everything was shut down, like the businesses and stuff like that, it kind of caused it where people felt like, I don't have anything else. So I'm going to get out here and get it how I can. You know, if I get this illness, I might die. I just feel like this whole plan was not only a global reset. It was also a mental reset in the people Mm -hmm. because a lot of people just went crazy this summer. You know, it's like just to even watch like everything that went down with the riots and, you know, how it just like that, that spark happened in Minneapolis. And then it went on to Chicago, then, you know, Detroit, then Philly, then New York and then L.A., you know, just kind of spread all over the country. Then it went globally.
2: See, we were literally in a wash, rinse and repeat. Like it just Mm. kept repeating and repeating. I felt like I was in purgatory or something. I was like, what? And as soon as everything calmed down, a cop killed somebody else. And then it just started over again. Mm -hmm. And when it happened in Philly, right, Mm -hmm. it really took me back because we don't, as a big city, for us to be such a big city, we don't have too much of killing of un- un- unarmed people. You don't hear about that in our city much. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a testament to somebody who actually shot a cop and I lived and that happens. Like people get in the shootouts with the cops and live a lot here. Like people barricade and be shooting out the house and all that. And they, they be living like in, um, cause we have a lot of black cops, you know, we have a lot of cops that's from the city. Okay. Um, we have a lot of cops that are, um, you know, partner, like usually if there's a black cop in the car, hope you will hope to see a white cop next to them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so maybe a person won't panic and stuff like that. And when that happened, right, I couldn't help but to think, cause we were, that was days before the election, like literally. And Philadelphia was the most important city at that time in mm-hmm. regards to the election. Mm-hmm. And they needed Philly to get Pennsylvania. Like that was the whole thing. And it, like, completely distracted everybody. Like, nobody was thinking about the election. Everybody was, you know, just out there, just rioting, looting. Like, and I was just like, I I don't think, you know, Trump got on the phone and said, hey, somebody will kill a nigga and go distract, you know, like, <laughs> Philly. I don't think it happened like that. But mm-hmm. it's just the energy shift, right? Like, they just weren't thinking about the election no more. And I was like, this, oh, the, the way this is moving is just so it's so eerie. It's just mm-hmm. such an eerie time. It's just, we were in like a a rent's repeat where it just kept happening over and over again. And people were expecting different results and there was no different result. It was just the most bugged out thing.
1: Yeah. And I think seeing that and seeing so much death, it did affect a lot of people this year, you know, but it's always funny. Like I always say that when it's a police um, on a citizen type issue, then it's picked up by the media it's replayed over and over there's all this outrage people are ready to loot and riot but so many people are just you know citizens black on black white on white whatever are killing themselves Mm -hmm. and there's not as much outrage yes there's marches don't get me wrong people in chicago march and you know they protest the violence there too but the media doesn't blast that Mm -hmm. You're not going to see the families marching in Chicago saying, put down the guns, stop killing our children. But you'll see, you know, when it's like a cop killing a black person, you know, because the media feeds in on that racism and, you know, that whole them versus us. And I think that's what was really pushed this year. And it was just the catalyst for just a lot of just crazy things that happened throughout the world.
2: Mm -hmm. And so like the argument on the activist side of that would be, Mm that, you know, all of this is initiated from state violence. Like, so, poverty is state violence, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and the cops who, you know, of course, they're supposed to be held to a certain standard. So, everybody would say, hey, if Pookie killed Malik, you know, Pookie going to jail, you know? Mm -hmm. When the cops do it, it's a different, you know, a different outcome usually. Um, So, that's, I guess, why the the outcome the backlash or why the outrage is so severe mm-hmm. is because the people who are supposed to sworn protect are held to a much higher standard than a, a normal citizen. But, and usually, you know, if if, if I kill whoever, I'm going to go to John, I'm going to pay my consequences. Um, and then there's the, the fact that all of this is initiated from like direct state violence. Um, but I do feel that um, sometimes we use that as an a reason to excuse ourselves for everything. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's appropriate. Once again, it's balance, right? Right. Like we have a hard time here in the activist um, world to provide balance. Um, You can't give everyone an excuse for everything. You know, sometimes, like I said, when I just said, can you believe I went back the second time to prison? Like there's no defending that. Mm -hmm. I was granted a second chance and I fucked up. That's completely on me. I can't keep saying, oh, my mom was an addict and that's the reason why. And I just like it just you can't keep doing that. Um, However, a lot of the intellectuals and once again, the liberals um, with their whatever, you know, questionable agenda. Sometimes I think that some of them have they would say that. All this is due to state violence, so it's a it's a constant um, repeat of you know poverty makes such and such rob such and such, which makes such and such kill such and such, and just that. And it's all started from the systemic you know racism that this was this country was founded on.
1: I definitely agree with that. So I want to go ahead and segue because we got about thirty minutes left, and I know one of the topics that we brought up, um, you had brought up about two weeks ago in the live in the Zoom meetings. We were talking about drugs and we were kind of finishing the conversation I had with Emily and, you know, her take on the whole, you know, drug culture coming from like, you know, a stripper and, you know, things that she went through. And so you were like schooling us on things that have hit the street, you know, and I had no idea. Like I know fentanyl. Like I said, that's, you know, just two milligrams is enough to kill somebody if you're not used to it. And Mm -hmm. I've taken fentanyl when I've been in the hospital in severe pain And literally, I've been like, can I get another shot? Because I did nothing. That's Mm -hmm. how bad my pain was. You know, but you're the one who told us about now in the streets, marijuana is being laced with fentanyl. And that is scary because I know there was already a concern with counterfeit pills. You know, you have this big boom right now of counterfeit pills hitting, like, the Bay Area and in different cities, and you have a lot of these kids you know, because it's in the music and it's glamorized and you have like the little peeps who used to talk about doing Zans and little pumps and just all these dudes and Molly Percocet with future. So a lot of these kids, they don't understand the consequences of dabbling in this drug in these drugs. And these are illegal. So yes, you may get some Molly and Percocet and it could be genuine, Mm -hmm. good shit. Get high for the day, break dance, do what you do. But then the next time the, you know, the dope man comes back and you want to buy some more, Well, because the counterfeits are so good now, you cannot tell the difference in a lot of cases, those markings, the colors and what they're doing now because it's counterfeit. They are lacing it with fentanyl. So we're having a whole generation of young people who are not only dying from counterfeit pills, but now you are telling us that they're lacing the marijuana with fentanyl. So if you want to go ahead and talk about that.
2: Yeah. And um, right before before, I just want to say sometimes if you buy multiple pills, like say you get four, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you can tell because they are very convincing. But sometimes you can tell because there'll be a tiny like um, imperfection. Right. If there's a tiny imperfection on that pill and if you look at the other three, it'll be in the same spot that is a clear indicator. And it's, it's a very, very tiny that like you have to really scan a pill, but you might see a tiny, tiny chip or like a tiny, tiny. And if you look on the other three pills and it has that same chip, you can tell those were pressed. So I just want to give people that little tip. who might not know. Um, Yes. The weed. So this all originally started with my wife, right? Mm-hmm. She doesn't smoke or anything. Right. But when she did, like, try, because we had both got off parole, and we were super happy, so why not just try to do some shit that we wasn't supposed to be doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> so she went to go smoke, and she literally, like, passed out, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what in the world was she so dramatic and just so extra that, you know, she just blew my high, and it was just like, oh, God, here's Toya being extra. And then when people were smoking in my house cuz neither one of us smoked cuz it was just too strong it's like all right that's too strong we cool um when people were smoking in my house she would be super high so one day my friend took like five puffs literally mm-hmm. and she got super high like and was like oh my shit my legs i can't move my legs just acting crazy and i was like oh by this time i started being like Wait a minute. I I think I want to take her to the hospital because I'm just curious to see what's in the weed that's making her react that way. Cuz she smoked weed, you know, all her all through her 20s and, you know, in her early in her teens and all that stuff. So I'm like, why is she reacting just from contact or not even contact, but just from it being in the air, mm-hmm. reacting like this? And then I started this campaign with my friend to try to get people marijuana, marijuana cards who suffer from trauma, who, you know, probably quite frankly, you know, need to have um, a prescription of marijuana. And one of the people who I was getting a prescription for, she tested hot for fentanyl and she only does weed. So that's when I was like, wait a minute, like, What's happening here? So I started kind of looking into it and I found out that they're like sprinkling the fentanyl throughout the weed sometimes, or sometimes it's cross-contaminated from being shipped. Like when they ship all the different drugs, mm-hmm. they don't have the weed with the dope, with the fentanyl, everything kind of mixed together and it gets cross contaminated. And then when you get your weed, it's like laced with, you know, fentanyl. So I think what happened initially is I think it was a mistake cross contamination. And once they seen how people reacted to it, they were like, Oh yeah, that's a great idea. You know, like that's, that's good. Let's, let's do that on all the weed because you can get weed also that has like no THC. You can get like this weed that you don't, know, hardly put no thc in and you spray it with this um this skunk spray to make it smell real real loud Mm -hmm. and then when you go to sell it like say you're selling 20 pounds you cut the 20 you take five out and you put that weed with no thc in and you kind of blend it in so people are already cutting weed which was never a thing before it was
1: doing all that yeah, <laughs> like, they cut the crack. Damn, they're doing that to the weed. <laughs> they're doing that to the weed. They got to...
2: <laughs> they like weed was never cut, you know. Like right. weed, that was the one drug that you couldn't cut, right? But they cut it with like um this this other weed that they grow that has literally no THC value to it, and they just spray the smell on it. Um, so I think that after a while, once the cross contamination went through without a hitch, I think that's when they just started doing it, just just to do it you know just to make the weed more powerful um and i don't think that a lot of people realize you know um that they are indeed smoking fentanyl um and it's very troubling because you know i at least feel like when i used to be a drug dealer i was never going to give somebody something that they didn't know that they was getting you know that's a drug dealers there was some integrity to selling drugs before you know right. you told them exactly what they knew they was getting into um and now you know there's multiple and you didn't drugs. want to
1: kill people because you want them to come back and buy more drugs
2: Absolutely, you don't want to right. lose
1: your customers
2: right but the, but it's not enough i mean unless you have like a really bad break or you're allergic or whatever it's not enough that's in the marijuana to kill you mm. it just gets you high as hell and you just think it's just a bomb weed you know what i mean the same with their learning how to um They're learning about those pills now. Like those pills was taking people out maybe like three years ago. It was taking everybody out when you you caught them bad perks. Nowadays, like in Kensington, which we'll get into later, that's what they want. They want the pills that's pressed. They don't want the normal perks no more because they have learned to Um, they have learned to measure out the fentanyl a little better now and be more responsible on how to just make people super-duper high and not necessarily kill them when it comes to the pills. And I think it's the same thing with the weed. Like, they're learning as they go um, how much is appropriate to put where. I still think that none of it's appropriate. Obviously, if you want to do a certain drug, that should be the drug that you should be doing, nothing else.
1: Yeah. Let me go ahead and play this article, this news article, and they're talking about it as well, and how it's shown up in the marijuana um, around the country. So y'all go ahead and check this out. The United County Sheriff's Office got their first confirmation late last week that someone in Sullivan County was charged with possession of marijuana. That drug tested positive for also being laced with fentanyl. Now, Sheriff Rob Machel says when buying drugs, it's always a risk. You never really know what you're getting, and it could always be laced with something.
0: It's been on the radar screen for law enforcement to be on the lookout of, of fentanyl uh, being placed into marijuana because obviously we know the effects of fentanyl when it's uh, mixed with heroin. Um, you know, we we are pretty confident, and we won't know for sure until all toxicology come, comes all the toxicology reports come back on all these fatalities from the overdoses. But we're we're pretty confident that a vast majority of them are going to be uh, the, the fentanyl is going to be the the major contributing factor to the overdose deaths uh, because it is so powerful.
1: So you just heard them talking about how fentanyl is showing up in weed, you know, in different counties. So that's where a lot of people need to be really careful because, you know, for so long, people looked at weed as not being a big deal. You might get a little high, you know, get munchies and that's it. <laughs> you know, that, that was the olden days. But now it's like you have to be really careful um, of where you're getting your weed and your supplier. Like she said, there's not a lot of integrity. And I'm not saying that drug dealers are meant to have integrity or not because you're selling drugs, right? But at this point, you have a lot of people, they don't care. You know, Mm -hmm. they're just trying to get the get rid of the product. So if I'm just trying to get rid of a batch of pills or, you know, or all this weed because I want to make my money back, I don't really care what it's laced with. Most of these people are not chemists. They're Mm -hmm. just buying some shit from Mexico or China and they're reselling it to your kids, you know, your loved ones. And it's very, very scary. And people need to realize that, you know, it's getting to the point now where, yeah, You may not ever want to do heroin. You may not ever want to do fentanyl. You just want to smoke weed or maybe just pop a perk. Well, now, because things are being laced and sliced and cut and everything else and being undermined, you could very well walk away with the heroin addiction or fentanyl addiction. And that wasn't what you signed up for
2: absolutely that's the that's the most scary part um that's why i'm trying to get people marijuana medical marijuana cards because at least you know you know getting it directly from the doctor what you're getting you know mm-hmm. and also that you can treat the trauma that you want to treat like people be smoking weed that doesn't even help why they're smoking in the first place so you know a lot of times they that's why they become so like because nowadays it'd be like addicts on weed like you know like when they start smoking they'd be like hooked All they want to do all day. I guess that was kind of back in the day, too, but it wasn't as severe. As it is now. And I think that's because, you know, a lot of people are not smoking the right strains that, you know, whatever the reason that they want to smoke, it's not um, catering to that. And I think if you, you know, go to a doctor and get it the correct way, you know, you won't have to smoke as much. You won't have to spend as much as your money. You know, um, you'll be treating whatever the issue is. Um, it's just too dangerous out here now with the street drugs. Because like you said, the kids that's out in the corner, they're not the ones that's cooking this shit up and doing all this stuff. It's the people, you know, the unseen people. Who, you know, who never get arrested for selling drugs are the people who are doing this. So it's like a thing where it's even out of the control of the people who are actually own the corner selling it or, you know, on their phone selling it. So just, you know, try to do things the right way. You know, like I'm not going to ever judge people for, you know, doing what they do. But if you take perks, find somebody that got a, that that get a prescription that, you know, um, whatever. They don't like to take theirs. You know what I mean? And, you know, buy, buy it from them or something. Just just. The street drugs are just way too dangerous at this point.
1: Yeah. And it's a lot of that going on. I don't know if you heard, but there was a Baltimore rapper, Lore X. I don't know if you know about him, but he was raided um, a few weeks ago, him and 19 other co-defendants. They got raided in a huge drug bust in Baltimore. And they were saying that just in that drug bust alone, they got over 20 pounds of fentanyl Mm. and that 20 pounds equals nine kilos. And that nine kilos of fentanyl was enough to kill four million people. Mm. That is scary.
2: Yes, nine kilos tough. is
1: enough to kill four million people.
2: Uh-huh. If know. I'm not mistaken, two milligrams of fentanyl, I think, is enough. You to can kill die someone. from yeah.
1: You can die from yeah. two milligrams yeah. if you're not using it for the right reason. And another thing too, people who try to mess with fentanyl. Um, I don't know if these people are robbing pharmacies. You know hospitals. I don't know. I don't ask questions. But the people who are dabbling in fentanyl and using it to lay shit, be very careful because it's it's also like back in the day when people used to cut up crack and, and hair on. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing that, not that I know personally, but I've heard stories. When you're doing <laughs> that, that shit Jeez, I'm like you're not from the trap. I be knowing. I be knowing. I'm from the head, but you know what I'm I never, I never dabbled in that. <laughs> but I knew people who did. And I remember... Um, when you do that, that powder gets caught underneath your nails and it goes into your bloodstream. Absolutely. Yep. And then when you go to drop a UA for your PO, <laughs> <do> I know <laughs> all this. Then it looks like you're smoking, <laughs> like you're smoking <laughs> crack or doing heroin.
2: See, on. <laughs> it's in my records. I was a 13 year old crackhead. I used to bag up coke and go yep. straight to the outpatient. And I would pee, and they would be like, "Oh, because I used to take Xannies." You know, I used to drink syrup, smoke weed. That was my that was my twist. I needed the whole combo: syrup, Xannies, and weed. And I used to bag up and go straight to the outpatient. And they used to be like, "Oh, you had a, a wonderful night." last night, you was just partying hard. You was smoking crack, too? And I'd be sitting there, I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> I sure was. I'd be like, yeah, they shipped me to rehab. I was at rehab. It was in my records that I smoked crack. they kind come asked ask me to smoke yeah. crack. Don't and you? <laughs> that is from the drugs
1: getting in your nail beds. That's why when you when you serve and, and cutting out, you're supposed to wear damn gloves. So that yeah. way does not seep into your skin. But I say that, I bring that up to say that if you are messing with fentanyl, the difference is, okay, you may get a dirty oil U A and get accused of being a crackhead. Well, that's you know that's bad, but it's not bad. But with fentanyl, if you're cutting that and you're messing with that shit with no gloves on, you can OD. Mm-hmm. You can OD from cutting fentanyl. Yep. So that's what a lot that's of these the kids fact. don't understand too when they're trying to press these drugs. So, you know that shit is getting in your nail beds, and you can OD that easily from that.
2: That's a fact. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Every yo, when you go down Kensington, mm-hmm. literally, if you live down there, you're going to see a dead body every single day. Mm-hmm. And the and the and the pandemic, once again, has made it even worse because the cops are no longer locking these people up. The cops are, they, you know, they're not, you know, putting these people, um, they used to kind of lock them up, put them in the, in, the, in the tank for three days, whatever. They just not doing nothing. When they see them out there, and the cops literally stand out there all day with mm-hmm. these people. It's not like they're not there. They're, they have a post outside where they are actually out there with these people. And if a person OD, like, You got people that walk around just giving out Narcan to just random people and like, you know, like the neighbors and the people of the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and random neighbors and stuff. If you walk by and you see somebody damn near dead, you might, you're liable to have some Narcan on you to shoot them up with to try and bring them back to life. That's how crazy and how bad it is out there when it comes to that. Can you
1: explain Kensington for people who are not from Philly? Because I didn't know it from looking at the video. It kind of reminds me of Skid Row, but even worse. Yeah, I don't so think, I Kensington, mean, Skid Row is creepy, but I don't think I've seen people just, I mean, zombied out like that. And it's so dirty.
2: Yeah, it's so different. I ain't never seen nothing like it. Kensington, they call it the the, the Walmart of heroin. That's what they call it. <laughs> Not the
1: Walmart and of heroin.
2: <laughs> it. That's what they call it. Across America, that's what they call wow. it. Wow. And you know what's crazy? Uh-huh. A lot of people from other states- have come down to Kensington to try and, you know, get that dope or get whatever they got and have never left. You got trust fund babies out are there lost. Are you serious? Yes. You got trust fund babies out there lost and homeless. You got people who are millionaires out there lost and homeless. They parents coming down there with the pictures showing off, you know, mm. have you seen my daughter? Have you seen my son? These people's from Boston. These people was from Connecticut, all over, everywhere, and they come there and get lost and they never, like, make it out. And Kensington is like a section in North Philly. Um, it's close to the Badlands where the Puerto are. um, It's predominantly white. um, Well, the users are predominantly white. Mm -hmm. and It's literally like, well, first, it it was the Walmart of heroin, but now um, they don't really sell. It's only a couple blocks that sell heroin now. Got a couple blocks that sell true blue heroin. It's about a mile, the the, the section, maybe two miles um, in the neighborhood. Now, they sell fentanyl laced with something called chrunk. And we have no idea what this trink is. Like, I don't know if it's, we don't know what it is. They just call it trunk. And interestingly enough, how I found this out was one of my um, folks who, you know, they are a caseworker down there. Basically they sell um, dope on the block. He tried to slide in some of his own stuff. Mm-hmm. And he tried to, the, he didn't sell heroin. It was a fentanyl block. So he tried to sell, slide in the fentanyl. And they was like, oh no, this ain't, this ain't it. So they was on his ass, right? Kill him. And I called one of my good friends who um, is still active, you know, and I asked him, I said, hey, what's going on down in Kensington? Um, My friend, he had some fentanyl that he tried to slip in on this block. And, you know, the fentanyl that he had was equal to the fentanyl that he sells. And he wasn't, he said, oh, yeah. He said, I supply that whole block. He said, I could have told you you couldn't do that. I can't even sell the fentanyl that I sell them on their block because they cut it when they get it with something called trank. And I said, well, what is that? And he said, I I don't know. I don't know what it is. But so now the the heroin addicts are now on something called, well, they want a mixture, fentanyl and trank, And there's no answer for it. There's no, you know, like methadone doesn't do the same thing that it did for heroin that it does, you know, it's not because it's not the same drug. You're not treating the same drug. And they're literally on something that they have no idea what they're on. And it's terrifying. Um, it's so so sad and I don't know if you heard about this um, T but they was trying to start something called a safe house here in Philly where it was a safe injection site where these people actually are allowed to come and bring their drugs they give them the needle and they let them shoot up and get high and if they die then they just hit them with the Narcan so these people can live Mm -hmm. I ain't never seen Philly stand up so quick like oh fuck no like y'all are not doing this
1: like girl (laughs) So Philly was like, no, we're not going to sit here and and babysit dope fiends, crackheads, and crank users. And yeah, and,
2: and the Scott. thing is, I because, you know, once again, on the activist side, mm-hmm. I hear y'all y'all saying it's going to save millions of lives, and this, that, and the third, and they actually have these things in Canada and in other countries, like, and they were using it as an example, and saying, oh, well, they saved thousands of lives here, whatever, whatever. And it's like, I understand that, However, what is that gonna do for the drug dealer? It's gonna empower the drug dealer, which is gonna also entice mm-hmm. the children. Cause they're gonna be, they're gonna want that. They're gonna see them drug dealers getting rich. It's gonna be like the 80s again when it was crack. And since my mom was an addict, I have a hard time sympathizing. And that's just something personal for me, because I was co defendants with my mom three times for my mom being an addict. You understand? So to watch them lock me and my mother up when I'm at age 13. Because my mom, you know, smoked crack in her house and, and might do a little peck every here and there. Watch them drag me and her to jail. It's hard for me to sympathize with them allowing people to have safe houses to just go. A literal nonprofit that is getting grants from the government, grants from the state to let these people get high. You know, yeah, like, that, that to me
1: is ridiculous. When you have black people out here, let's keep it real. Every day. Trying to work, trying to take care of their families, you know what I'm saying? And they don't get no type of help, no type of assistance. You got people who are running low on rent money, don't know where they're going to get food to put on their tables. You got food lines wrapped around the corner and y'all want to have a safe house for people who want to go down and get high? Yeah, absolutely and it
2: was, not. And they was gonna supply the needles and everything. Mind you, they already have needle, They already have needle spots and all that where they can go pick, turn, in their needles and all that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was not against that because if you want to like stop the disease and the hepatitis and the AIDS and all all that stuff that's getting transferred through the needles, cool. But to have a like, I couldn't imagine my mom having somewhere where she could go smoke her crack when she was in an attic. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like y'all Yeah, they don't care when black
1: people were on drugs. It was just it wasn't even a disease back then. It was just if- you're a crackhead, go to jail.
2: Exactly. So Mm -hmm. I have a hard time, even though they trying to push it down my throat, like, you know, we're reformed. We learn this is a racial. That's the only reason why y'all care that much, Mm -hmm. because now it's affecting white people, because black people, we don't fool with no needles like that. We ain't going to be doing all that. I mean, Mm -hmm. you got something that get caught up. I'm not saying, but it's not predominantly us. And because it's not predominantly us, that's the only reason why you would see something like that happening like that's like it just makes no sense and i can't get on 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 board with no no safe house where people just go and they just allow so the um the city or the state um did some type of lawsuit or whatever. And uh, I think that they lost, but I think they're in a pill and all that. And it's going through the appeal process. So they wasn't able to open it yet, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's to be continued if they're going to actually allow this to open. And this once again, is one of those ideas coming from my DA, Mary Krasner. Like I said, some of his stuff is, you know, cool. Some of that shit though, bro. Like, nah, I'm not rolling.
1: Yeah. now I don't blame you. And it just, where's the personal responsibility? Like I understand that you know when people especially get on heavy drugs like that, they become addicted to it, but there should be no way they should be creating safe houses when you have people who don't touch that stuff and they just want basic help. You know, there's no opportunities for them.
2: See, how can you lock up the How can you lock up a drug dealer after that?
1: Yeah. If you're supplying
2: them with the with the needle and you're allowing them to get high in this place and nothing's going to happen to them. How can you then turn around and lock up the person that sold it to them? Right? How? It's not even. It, that don't even make sense. Right? You're supplying the demand just like I'm supplying the demand. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, like it's crazy. But I guess it's so rampant. Like you said, it looked It looked like The Walking Dead. It looks like
1: so scary watching those videos.
2: Yeah, it's. I guess they don't know what to do. You understand? Like mm-hmm. they don't know what to do at this point. And you know, they just they just grasp it for straws. They don't know what to do. It's a bad stain on the city. This is the. I think it's the worst. Place in America, like the actual place, like for heroin addicts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think it's the literal worst place. So, and I mean, they're
1: they're literally openly selling drugs and buying. Like I saw videos of people just right there in the middle of the street, broad daylight, just swapping and you know selling and buying drugs.
2: Yeah, and the cops be right there. Mm -hmm. They literally be right there. It's, It's nothing. It's so rampant that it's nothing that you could do. So if you put a safe house there, then you'll have people. Like I said you'll have way more crime because people will be just breaking in people's houses and all that to get their loan fixed. Then you'll have the drug dealers getting rich. I mean, purchasing more guns, this, that. So yeah, you're saving that life. But what about the life of the kid that's watching that drug dealer get rich? And then he goes back into that, he goes into that lifestyle, you know, mm-hmm. it's always on the back end, like who, who life is, is, you know, why, what value are y'all placing on those lives that y'all not placing on, on a, on the black lines, once again, or, you know, the, the impoverished poor life, like you're saying, like, what what determines the value of a life? You know,
1: no. I, don't, I don't understand. No, definitely. Well, this was an awesome conversation. We've been on here exactly an hour. And I think hey. we get a lot of good points, BL. And I'm really glad that you were able to just come and, you know, just share wealth of information with us and the things that are going on in your city. Um, Because like I said, I've been hearing a lot of crazy stuff coming from Philly like all summer. So to kind of get like a backstory on what's causing some of the violence and, you know, the drug use and things like that was just really amazing. I appreciate you taking time out as well to share your story.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I do got one, I, I do got one little side I wanted to ask you. You know, I wanted to ask you something.
1: Uh-huh. Go ahead. I want
2: I wanted to shoot I wanted to help somebody shoot their shot. I don't know if it's a is it Asian Matt or Agent Matt?
1: You talking the about the truck driver? Yes. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need all y'all to stop the enemy about him. sending me messages on the Discord. Who like you need to talk to Agent Matt because I think he really likes you. <laughs> Wait, is it Asian or agent? Agent Matt.
2: Yeah, oh. he seems like
1: a really dope guy, though. He seems really cool. I mean, if anything, it might make for some
2: good content. Like, y'all could just, like, <laughs> go on a date or something. Like, I mean, I don't know. There's, the tea sippers are invested. We're invested in this point. I feel like you should do it for the people, you know. I, I like him, you know. He come through. He slide 50 every time. He you know. What I'm saying, like a boss, you know what I mean? And I don't know. I think that you should try, you know, check him out. Oh I my know. god, you
1: gotta me <laughs> blushing. That is so funny. He's gonna be so boosted when he hears this audio because you know he's gonna be listening in his truck, honey. Hey, Agent Matt, how you doing? <laughs> we yeah. might all have to meet up once COVID is over. Yeah, yeah, man. You know what I'm saying. You should,
2: I- and then, you know, just do a little vlog, you know what I mean, like you used to do back in the day, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, do a little vlog of y'all on a date, whatever, you know, I, I want to see what he looked like, me personally, you know, I'm intrigued. So I'm shooting a shot for you, Asian man. I, don't, I still don't know if it's <laughs> Asian or Asian, but I'm shooting a shot for you, you know, hopefully, you know what I mean, you get what you you know, get a little date. I'm interested to see it happen. But that I is so not.
1: funny. So you're like probably like the seventh person. Hold on, but I be in my DMs like, oh, so what's up with you and AJ? I'm like, who is that? Did he send you? Y'all are a mess. But uh,
2: I-, <laughs> yeah, I gotta see him. I, well, first I gotta see him first because he could be. I gotta see him first. We gotta see, but him. We need but to him. I'm I'm interested to see. Now you know the t was we ain't gonna stare you wrong if we keep saying it. That's it might true. be something there. The nigga a truck driver, true. so it ain't like he gonna be up your ass. You know what I mean? He gotta be driving and all that. So it ain't
1: like he gonna be too clingy, you know. What I'm that's true, because you know I like my space. I don't like to be bothered with a whole bunch of mess. I like <laughs> my space. <laughs> I don't
2: know. Take it all day. That's all I, that's really all I wanted to say. You know, that's you know, Well, I
1: appreciate you. And like I said, thank you so much for I'm gonna definitely have you back. We're going to talk about some more. So I'm going to definitely have you back. Hey. So I really appreciate this. It didn't even feel like an hour. It went by so it fast.
2: Did. It did go by fast. It, it
1: always does. That's something I love about the podcast. So you guys, thank you guys so much for tuning in and I will see you guys on the next episode of tea time unfiltered with your girl. Lovely tea. Any last words, BL? Uh,
2: no, no last words. I know I'm not going to plug nothing. Cause I know that, you know, you don't like, you know,
1: you're like that. <laughs> it's all so good. You I can plug really your fun. music.
2: Okay. Okay. So guys, I actually have an organization. It's called Dodge and Pro. It is the first nonprofit record label for formerly and currently incarcerated people. I've won prisons. I make music with them. High quality. I'm an artist. So check me out the website, donate all that good stuff. www.dodgeandpro.com and follow me on Instagram and all that. Thank you guys.
1: All right. Well, once again, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming through. And Tea Sippers, we will talk to you guys later. Deuces. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure you join us again soon. For all the latest tea, make sure you follow me on my social media pages. Just put in L-O-V-E-L-Y-T-I on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.